Hello, this is Up Talk from Chatelaine, and I'm your host, Rachel Giza. On this episode, it's all Tanya Tagak. The Inuit throat singer, artist, and advocate is back with a new album called Retribution. We'll talk about rape of women of the land and how Tanya turned her anger into a burning fire of creativity. Tanya Tagak is coming up. But first, here's a bit of the first single, Center, featuring Canadian rapper Shad. That was a bit of Shad with the single Center from Tiny Tagak's new album, Retribution. In many ways, it's a continuation of her 2014 album, Animism, which won the Polaris Prize, which is the annual award given to the best Canadian album of the year. Tanya's still discussing matters that are close to her heart, the environment, sexual assault, and missing and murdered Indigenous women. Recently, I went over to her place to talk about well, just about everything. She's open, she's passionate about her work and her daughters. There was no holding back. Here's our conversation. Welcome to Uptalk, Tanya. It's so nice to talk to you. Hi. So many people are describing retribution, and I'm quoting here, even more musically and politically aggressive than your last album. You're not sugarcoating anything here. And you say in the press release that this this is a record about rape. And I wanted to ask sort of the, I guess, the genesis of, of this album, like what was on your mind? And why did you want to address this? Well, it was my friend, Jeff Burner, who did the write up that mm-hmm. um, threw the dart mm. into that rape word I was just beginning to notice how things occur on a small plane and they occur on a large plane like if you look at the molecular structure of some crystals Mm. it'll be mimicked in shape in in large form Mm -hmm. and I was thinking a lot about the tar sands I was thinking about climate change I was thinking about like you know the Brock Turner case I was thinking about Jean Gomeshi I was thinking about like Kesha I was thinking about women I know I was thinking about getting beeped at on the street when I'm walking with my children thinking about consent how much land has been overtaken and developed against the consent of the indigenous population who are the stewards of the land. And thinking about how our bodies get owned and processed and how how there's this lack of control surrounding how women are treated. And I thought about how much I've given, how much emotional energy I've given trying to help people, how much has been taken, whether or not I wanted it. And it's happening to this day, and I'm constantly having to stop myself from feeling guilty about not wanting to give emotional energy or physical energy or spiritual energy where it doesn't belong. I go against my own instincts constantly trying to like make other people feel better. And where does that come from? All of that started interconnecting And uh, originally, I wanted this album to be based in climate change. 
And yeah, thinking about the tar sands, like great violent hole in the earth. And I started thinking about rape and how it's dealt with on a judicial level Mm -hmm. and how it's dealt with on a day-to-day level and how people are expected to feel ashamed if they get raped and how we tell our daughters to be careful and why the hell aren't we telling our sons not to rape people? And what I'm hoping to do is kind of wake people up a little bit to the idea of perhaps respecting your fellow human beings. Yeah. Well, and, I think <laughs> and, and yeah, it might shift the yeah. consciousness a little bit. You've talked about the fact that, um, you know, that this is connecting the idea of the, the, the rape of women, the rape of the land, the rape of children, despoiling the traditional land without consent, that, that there is maybe a worldview that connects all these forms of violation. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that sort of an mm-hmm. accurate way of well, saying it? Yeah, look at how North America was taken slavery genocide and it's denied Mm. and then look at how women are taken you know the residential schools rape our kids ourselves as women rape us Mm -hmm. it's just i just think it's time to stop yeah like enough's enough just stop it's not allowed Mm -hmm. it's not allowed anymore we all have to come together and stand up together yeah well, and I think it's interesting, too, when you were saying earlier, kind of connecting the idea of having something, you know, having something taken from you, but then also the expectation that you have to continue to give. I mean, you talked about the fact of being exhausted by sort of needing to, like, look after, or you know. Um, so it seems like it's almost like this loop of, you know, being violated, but then asked to continue to give something up. Yeah, because there is, like, the plain idea of rape which is, you know, an innocent woman walking down the street and getting pulled in by a stranger. And then there's, you know, this idea of like soft rape, which we haven't even gotten to yet, where it's like, you know, your partner violates you. Mm -hmm. And that's very difficult because that's hardly ever believed, you know. And there's just, there are so many uh, ripple effect levels to what we're expected to give. And consistently, there are men in my life that just expect me to be there to, to give and take care of them. And without reciprocating in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And just assuming like that I'll be kind that way. And it's my own journey to stop being so giving because I don't give to myself when I'm depleted. But you feel guilty when you collect energy for yourself. Yeah. And it's just learning my own boundaries and having that small, small bit of knowledge ripple Mm. out to all the ideologies connecting the album. So when working on this album and creating this album, was that a time when you felt like you actually gave yourself that permission to focus Mm -hmm. on yourself? I mean, was that a time where you felt this is about me and what I want to say and I'm not going to try to please anybody else? This is about me. Yeah, and I started taking like the ultimate responsibility for what was happening in my life. Like instead of going oh, well, this is going on and I don't have much control of it. Like I just started going, (laughs) what am I allowing? Mm. What am I allowing What of what I can control? What am I allowing to happen to me? And I just got angry. I got angry at myself. I got angry at the way 
Canadians discuss Indigenous people. I got angry at the judicial system. I got frustrated, and I just all came out in this like kind of burning fire yeah. of this album. It is. I mean, it is. I mean, the album is a burning. Like, I feel like my, when I was when I was playing it, I felt like my computer was going to like start smoking. And when I was playing the track. Um, do you do you like it? What's it's beautiful. Your, what's your favorite it's, song? Um, well, I have um, I have a lot of affection for um, Censure because uh, I've worked with Shad and uh, he's such a dear and good person. Um, and he's so the to, best. Yeah, and so to have the two of you together, like there was something really, uh, really wonderful about that. Um, but I have to say that um, the, that Rape Me, the cover of the Nirvana song was... Um, I think that's the one that sort of knocked me off my feet. That's the one that kind of leveled me hearing it. I think um, it was unintentional. I was very afraid to sing mm. in, in English and mm. sing. Mm. And that was a, a fear I had to overcome. But more and more people are telling me that they're very drawn to it. Cobain, I grew up with him, loved him, and loved Nirvana. But he wrote that song as an anti-rape song. He was a feminist, and he wrote an anti-rape song. What an incredible human. But when I listen to it, I go, oh, it's, it's aggressive, and it's in third person. And I thought, oh... I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be raped. And I like I know the aftermath and the lifelong thing that comes with it. So I think that's what resonates with people is it's sung in first person. Mm. And and women in particular, like every woman I know has endured some form of sexual assault. Everyone. There isn't one that doesn't have to go through that in some way. So I think that song can be applied to to womanhood. Um, What I think is so striking to me about that track is it's beautiful. Like it's, uh, you know, it's so sad and, you know, your, your voice is so beautiful on it. And I'm wondering what went through your head when you recorded it. Well, it so perfectly applies to missing and murdered women. Mm. And, you know, when you're living in a country and the people you know and love and people you grew up with don't get the same opportunities and live under different statistics, it's, yeah, I'm angry about that, but also it's heart-wrenching to to know that the government didn't want us around and did everything they could to keep us down and not only that like say for example uh, 
non-renewable resource development that not a lot of indigenous people get remunerated for what happens on their land like treaties aren't respected it's just a force into poverty mm. a force we're forced into these situations and then so inuit go okay well here are these renewable resources these seal skins like maybe we can live on that because unfortunately we've been uh, cornered into the economic society right mm-hmm. and so we start selling our seal skins so that we can survive and buy hunting supplies and feed our families and then you get peta and all these freaking vegans in California that are pointing and judging and it's like you're taking the mouth food out of children's mouths what i would like it if your kid let your kid starve see if you are all worried about those seals that aren't even endangered and just the complete audacity to have a judgment for this small isolated group of people impoverished people trying to survive when millions upon millions of animals are being killed every day in slaughterhouses in their own backyard mm-hmm. it sickens me yeah. being against the seal hunt you are the oppressor yeah. and people need to wake up to these mm-hmm. things do you want to be the oppressor because that's what you're doing you're basically darth vader <laughs> like, <laughs> you are the evil one like you got to yeah. just relax you know so i think when i was singing i was thinking about you know all the families of missing and murdered women mm. i was thinking about how badly i want the world to be safe for my babies and how much i love my daughters how much i love my family my children how much i love my fellow human beings fellow canadians inuit non inuit how much i love and how how sad it is that that kind of love hmm. could be taken away for selfish reasons it's the kind of the agony mm-hmm. the agony of wanting to love and seeing pain you and your music have often been labeled as fearless and i think that anyone who has seen you perform um it's such an extraordinary i mean you're just you're just amazing to watch on stage do you consider yourself fearless does that feel like a label you would apply to yourself only on stage yeah mhm yeah well i'm i take risks i take a lot of risks in life mm. generally mhm but i'm full of full of fear yeah yeah I'm what af- makes you afraid like what? i'm afraid of pain mm. i'm afraid of being hurt i'm afraid of somebody hurting those i love yeah. i'm afraid of never feeling never feeling okay yeah i'm but the thing i'm you know what i'm not afraid of mm. myself hmm i'm how, not yeah how do you mean you're not afraid of yourself i'm not afraid of even the ugliest and sickest little bits of me huh. i'm not afraid of how much love i have which is exploding all the time because there's so much of it and i'm not afraid of being vulnerable at all and i'm not afraid of the audience <laughs> and i'm not afraid of critics and i'm not afraid of people not liking what i do and i'm not afraid of standing up 
It's interesting because I think that uh, for a lot of um, for a lot of audiences at your shows, there is a sense of catharsis. They often feel that that you create, like you know, audience weep and are moved and stirred. Are you conscious when you're performing of the impact you're having on the audience, or are you sort of so in your own experience of it? No, I'm not conscious in any way, shape, or form. I find um, I. Uh release consciousness in order to allow the sounds and music in because mm. if you start thinking well if one starts thinking in that state it you can't properly improvise and the audience gives so much the audience is like jet fuel <laughs> like because they don't they don't realize when they're when they're watching that they're they're giving your eyes are giving. They're mm. giving out energy to mm. me, mm. to us. And, and then you can, like, it's just this kind of idea of removing from your body and removing from the thoughts and just, it's like witnessing, uh, observing. It has nothing to do with me. It's like I feel like I'm, sometimes I'll be standing very far away watching it happen. Or sometimes, I'll, if it's really lovely, I'll go into a, I'll go into a place where there's no weight or light or form or anything. And then I'll hear this very far away. It's very peaceful. And I'll hear this very far away little sound and get curious about it and start going towards it. And then I realize it's coming out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> like, so that, that, that's, I love it when that that's happens. Amazing. It's like, you know, when you wake up from a dream, yeah. it's like waking up and then all of a sudden I, you know, realize that I'm dripping sweat and it's the mm. middle of the show. And so that, that what I chase that a lot. Mm. I uh, I wanted to uh, talk a bit about politics and pick up on what you were saying earlier about missing and murdered Indigenous women. And I was thinking uh, almost a year ago when Trudeau was sworn in and there were those two just beautiful little girls, the throat singers that were there at his uh, at, the, at the ceremony. And, you know, the, the, the prime minister came in and um, made... Uh, you know, reconciliation and a reset of the Canadian government's relationship to First Nations, a, a priority. As somebody for whom these issues are, you know, a part of what you talk about and advocate for and a part of your, a part of your music, how are you feeling at this point about where we're at? Well, I suppose reconciliation is a really nice word, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, but how about let's actually do something now? Yeah. In my closet, I have a certificate from Stephen Harper personally apologizing for my time in residential school. And what did that do? It isn't worth the paper it's printed on. Justin Trudeau, step up your game. I know it's hard, and the farther up you go in politics, the more your hands are tied. But, I mean, people are dying. Like, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. And, all yeah, all that seems very full of rhetoric and full of good intention and I haven't seen any meat yet it's just ridiculous it's a farce and I'm upset right now mm. because everyone you know put on their nice rose-colored glasses and thinks that Trudeau is awesome and I will when shit actually starts yeah, happening yeah inquiries 
It's like one the smallest of steps. Mm. I know I'm just I'm impatient. Yeah. I'm impatient because it's immediate. Mm. When the Truth and Reconciliation team were interviewing residential school survivors, like they say 3,000 kids died there, but we all know it's closer to 30,000. Like like the unmarked graves all across Canada, like I just it's unbelievable to me that this terrible genocide could be occurring and people are going, oh, let's look into it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a look-see. It's like that's what you do when, you know, your four-year-old needs a Band-Aid on their knee. That's not what you do when your house is on fire. You know, you yeah. like, you know, when your legs cut off, what do you do? You stop the bleeding. Okay, there are so many ways mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. So many. Well, I think about this because the, your, the, your record coincides with the 50th anniversary of the death of Chani Wenjack, uh, the 12-year-old boy who um, died running away from his residential school. And Gord Downey has raised this recently. I know Joseph Boyden is releasing a book around the same time. Um, in thinking about the role that, that artists have taken up in wanting to raise these issues, what, what do you think the impact is or what do you think... Um, it means to, as a culture maker, to take this up? Mm. Um, I went to art school. So we were studying art history, and I kept thinking, this isn't art history, this is just history. Because you, that's what, what happens when people overtake a whole country, they'll destroy the art. Huh. Because in order to rewrite history, you you can't have evidence of history. So... Artists give evidence of the every man standpoint, and that quite often is dangerous to the government mm. or to <laughs> the or to the the big yeah. picture. That's why media is mm-hmm. controlled. That's why it's not all over CNN. You know the Dakota Pipeline. That's that's why you know when things do break out into the mainstream, I find it. Wonderful, and that's that's the thing that's happened to me that I can't stop um, being filled with electricity about is when I was a child and when I was young, and you talk native rights, people would roll their eyes. Like Canada is waking up mm. in a big way, like way quicker than the states is. Canada's waking up, and it's uh, across the board. No matter what color you are, people are un- beginning to understand. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, that little bit of voice, what do we do? It's urgent. Let's do it. And that's where the frenetic energy huh. of the album comes from. Huh. It's like this excitement right. that um, fellow Canadians, like day-to-day fellow Canadians could actually care. The feeling that fellow Canadians care after all these years of like just the terrible comment section on every story of indigenous people, just having you here and interested in talking, like all of this gives me so much hope. Hmm. And that hope is, it's like a, it is electric. I mean, I can, I, uh, yeah. sort of looking at you, I feel like I can, you know, it does, you feel electric. It's, in, well, in cause it's, cause it. it's so exciting that we can help people. That, that through us working together, we can help facilitate change. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more important to me than my daughters. And, and knowing that uh, there's an opportunity for us to, to help us, uh, us get on a proper 
playing field. Like, I don't want them to be four times more likely to be murdered. Just that there's, you know, a kid at home that hasn't been born yet that won't be hurt because of what we're doing right now. Like, Mm. that thought is the driving force behind everything. The last thing I wanted to ask you about uh, was the was the song Center, which we were talking about earlier. And you've said the song is about the idea of being centered and being rooted and being present. Um, how do you keep yourself centered? What is a centered place for you? Or what are the, I guess, the, the qualities you need around you for you to feel centered and grounded? Um, I go home for a month or a month and a half every year for the fish run. And go get fat on Arctic char. (laughs) (laughs) Go fishing every day. And go out on the land every day. And then I'm fine. And always before that time, I'm all like fucked up on the city. Like I'm all high on city and high on all this like stupid garbage. Like start worrying about how much I weigh. And start thinking all these stupid thoughts. And then I go home and I the land land's your best friend the land's your mom the land's everything so you get to well I get to go home and get real chill out hang out with my family hang out on the tundra and then I'm okay um I was had such a lovely time talking to you I just appreciate everything everything that you said it was just such a pleasure this doesn't even because it's in my house it doesn't even feel like an interview like you're just visiting no it feels really lovely <laughs> you just came no, to it's, visit it's just sitting, sitting on it. I feel like this could go on for hours actually yeah. but we have to go but it was uh it was just such a pleasure and I uh, wish you all the best thank you that was my conversation with Tanya Tagak. Retribution her new album is out October 21st and here's a little bit of the title track Our mother grows angry. Retribution will be swift. We squander her soil and suck out her sweet black blood to burn it. We turn money into God and salivate over opportunities to crumple and crinkle our souls for that paper, that gold. Money has spent us, left us in small boxes, dark rooms, bright screens, empty tombs, left investing our time in hollow philosophies to placate the fear of our bodies returning back into our mother. Demand awakening. Ignite, stand upright, and conduct yourself like lightning because the retribution will be swift. That's right, retribution will be swift. And that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. We want to know what you think, so send us your feedback. You can follow us at Chatelaine on Twitter and Facebook for more info and updates. You can subscribe to UpTalk from Chatelaine on iTunes or Google Play. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. UpTalk is produced by Rachel Matlow. The theme music is by Ralph. I'm Rachel Giza. Talk soon. <laughs>